It's football and other F-words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. He's Mike Kearney. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Kearney NFL. And you can read all of his written works at paulkarski.com every Wednesday, which is the same time that this podcast is out. So you know what you should be doing? You should be listening to this. And as soon as I tell you that you go to paulkarski.com, go on to paulkarski.com and read whatever Mike has cooked up this week. Listen to that. Yeah, it's surely going to be some interesting stuff. And we have so much to get into today's episode. We got Colt Slander. We have the thrilling overtime defeat against uh, the slugfest against Kansas City. And then, of course, we have the Broncos game coming up. And maybe we need to be talking about the Packers, too, a little bit. Because there could be a chance that maybe Ryan Tannehill doesn't play either of those games. And waits for the long, extended by week in quotation marks coming after the Packers game. As always, we are brought to you by jaspers.com or jaspers.com. It's jaspers.nash jaspers.nash. I should probably uh, Jeff jaspers.restaurant. That's what it is. Jaspers.restaurant, not.com just jaspers.restaurant. And Jaspers is awesome. Uh, went there for lunch. They have great beer, great food, lots of TVs. You can watch all the sports uh, shows, talking heads, you watch all the games. College basketball is back, and it's a great place to go watch college basketball. I think there was 100 college basketball games today. I know that Vanderbilt plays Memphis uh, when we're recording this on Monday. Vanderbilt's playing uh, Memphis in Vanderbilt. Uh, if I wasn't feeling still a little bit under the weather, I'd probably go to that game and watch Memphis beat the shit out of Vanderbilt because acres down, fuck Vanderbilt. <laughs> but Jaspers, Nashville, it's awesome. It's in West End. Beer, food, two for one on Sundays, hockey games, football games, college basketball games, college football games, probably professional basketball games if you ask them nicely. Maybe some baseball games. They got a game room, projection screen. They got everything that you could need at Jasper's in Nashville. Mike, Mike, Mike. The Colts are a disaster. (laughs) If only someone could have foreseen this. Yes. (laughs) If only all of the people in uh, Indy were actually listened to sources that were not paid by Jim Ursay directly and were listening to Tennessee Titans podcast like they should be, they wouldn't have been prepared and have known that this was about to happen. On Monday, it was announced early in the morning, Frank Reich is fired. Now, great coach. Well, let me say this. Good offensive mind, mediocre head coach. Yeah, But the first thing that Titans fans did, instead of laughing and celebrating that their big rival is just in flames and in shambles, they decide that they are going to go out on Twitter and say, well, sure is nice to have an owner (laughs) that will (sighs) is willing to make moves and take no nonsense. Jim Irsay is a no-nonsense kind of guy. I have never seen such a ridiculous tweet. It may be the most ridiculous tweet to come out of New Jersey ever. It is insane. Because not only does he does is that tweeted, not five, I don't know, like 30 minutes later, they announced that Jeff Saturday's their head coach. That's nonsense galore. That is too much nonsense. Ursay, look, Ursay is 100% nonsense. He he has been for quite some time. 
Um, you know, he's, he's the one that, you know, continues to poke his finger around and meddle around with the quarterback situation. Uh, you know, letting them bring in Carson Wentz and then deciding, no, we're, we we're trading Wentz, even if we don't have a backup plan, which ends up leading to them panic pivoting to Matt Ryan's corpse. Um, and then he pokes his finger in there again and says, no, you've got to bench Matt Ryan, uh, <laughs> which leads to them putting in Sam Ellinger, who's not an NFL quarterback. And uh, look, and now they're putting up like 20 yards uh, in like, I think it was like the third quarter or something like that. They had like 20 yards of total offense or, or something like that in that game against the Patriots. Just complete disaster. Um, it's so funny to watch the, the, the flames coming out of uh, Indianapolis right now just because it, this team has been so overrated for so long by so many people, and we've bitched about it and bitched about it and bitched about it, and we are justified. We, we are vindicated. There's just copious amounts of vindication. I, I don't know really where to start other than I talked about it on a football show on Monday's show at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time when we're live from the pharmacy. You can listen to it now in podcast form right now or go to YouTube Watch Video. But this whole idea that Titans fans' first leap is to say is to try to compare to the Titans not firing Todd Downey, and we'll get to Todd Downey later, is, is asinine. You're, you're looking a gift horse in the mouth and then kicking it. Like, you are fucking shooting that horse in the face by just not enjoying and celebrating instead of trying to make it all about the Tennessee Titans. Man, so just let's, have let's, fun. Yeah, just have fun. Let, let's dive into this because I talked about it on the football show, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I feel like the time that Jim Irsay, I guess, got clean or sober or came out of rehab and started trying to be Midwestern Jerry Jones and getting his face out and getting his name out and, and doing all these press conferences, putting out all these tweets, making all these videos, is when really the Colts' downfall started. So I think it starts at the top down with this particular franchise that when Peyton Manning was in, his, was in his heyday, when Andrew Luck was first getting started out, you didn't really ever hear anything about Jim Ursay. Hell, I couldn't name even name that G the Ursay family was probably the owner of the Colts for the longest time. And ever since he's put himself out there is when you, I feel like you could pinpoint the start of the demise of this franchise, and he continues to do it by essentially letting a guy who was just there to celebrate Tariq Glenn get into the Colts Ring of Honor as your head coach, a guy who hasn't coached anything except for high school football in Georgia, I think back in 2016. 2017 to 2020, and he was a below 500 high school coach. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that. I wish I would have done that early. But 17 I, and 18. But what maybe. are the chances that someone said, he goes, because I heard, saw in 2012 he tried to get Jeff Saturday in the front office and Jeff Saturday turned him down. What are the chances that he saw that Georgia beat UT on Saturday and said, Oh, he's from Georgia. He coached in Georgia and we need to beat Tennessee. Let's hire him. I mean, you never know. You really can't rule out anything with Ursay these days. I feel like, but um, let me say something about like, the Saturday thing is absolutely just flat out ridiculous. And it sounds like based on, uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport reporting that, you know, Ursay and Saturday have such a close relationship and, 
he's going to basically have eyes and ears inside the building uh, now. And I'm like, uh, you're the owner, so you should have eyes and ears inside the building. Wait, well, isn't his daughter on the sidelines the whole time, like with a notepad and everything? Is that what I, Lebowski I, told us was the Ursay family? Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember. That's it's entirely possible, and and sounds like him. But um, eyes and ears inside, like he's hiring a spy to spy on his own team and like report back to. Is that is that what's going on here? Because like. This makes zero sense. They have zero coaches on staff who have ever called offensive plays before uh, at either a collegiate or or NFL level. So, like, what? And they fired their offensive coordinator last week, who was the scapegoat for a week until they could fire Frank Reich. I guess it just it's laughable how badly they've handled this situation. And look, if I'm a good NFL coaching candidate, I don't give a shit what the Colts have as far as talent on that roster. I don't want any part of being the head coach there because look at how he treated Frank Reich, who went 40 and 33 and one, which is not bad by NFL standards. Like it, it is, it's not good. It's not what you want, but it's not bad either. It's not like this guy was Adam Gase or, uh, or some of these other loser Pat coaches Rule. that, yeah, that win like 10 games in, in four years and then get canned. He won more than half of his football games when he was there. And yet Ursay was still in the middle of everything, uh, you know, ends up firing him, obviously, and was dictating who was playing quarterback for the last two years, basically. So that, to me, is a huge red flag if I'm a good coach who has options. Like, look, they're going to be able to fill the job, right? Because there's only 32 NFL head coaching jobs. And, you know, all these guys are megalomaniac egomaniac crazy people and and they're somebody's gonna convince them that it won't won't happen to them but if i'm a coach that has options i'm not picking the colts i, I don't give a shit i'd rather go to the panthers or uh you know or any other uh, opening that comes up uh over the next few months there, there are other teams that i they the colts will be dead last on my list because of jim ursay and i think that shit matters well they have two head coaches former NFL head coaches. And listen, I don't think Gus Bradley's anything special, but John Fox is a well-respected head coach, former head coach. And you don't promote either of them who they both probably have connections to maybe people that aren't on staff somewhere that could be an offensive coordinator, right? Because like you said, they have zero play callers. And not only that, it was, uh, I think his name was Bubba Vinatarone or something. It was yeah. an up and coming uh, head coach candidate, supposedly by, if you believe the people in Indianapolis, according to whoever's trying to curry favor with his agent today. Yeah. Uh, and none of these guys, and he just goes out and gets Jeff Saturday. Like I, I thought for sure when that got retweeted and put out there because, you know, Twitter's kind of like a, a wasteland right now for fake accounts. I mean, it's just thriving. I thought for sure someone got got like I was just waiting on it and waiting and waiting and nobody. And then more tweets came out saying it was real. And we're not even, they should, by the time we're recording this in about maybe two more hours, I think their press conference is going to happen. This is ridiculous. And it's so good because what they're reporting out of Indianapolis is that Jeff Saturday is actually going to, this is actually a real interview process. So, he didn't really interview for this interim head coach job. He didn't earn it. He was giving it to him. 
but they're going to actually interview him on the fly. There's a good chance that because Jim Ursay loves Jeff Saturday so much that Jeff Saturday could lose out and maybe still be head coach next year. Uh, I mean, it's a complete clown show in Indianapolis right now. Like, complete clown show. It's embarrassing. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Honestly, cannot wait to watch this press conference because I want to hear the justification. I want to hear Chris Ballard get up and try to spin this shit uh, as if he's not also responsible for giving Frank Reich, you know, you know, Titans fans, uh, you know, won't want to hear the complaints about receivers. But Frank Reich has had zero receivers to work with the entire time he's been there. Uh, he's had, you know, an, an offensive line that's just clearly been overpaid at this point. And then, uh, you know, just key spots not replaced. It is, uh, it's as much on Ballard as it was on Reich. And look, you know, Ballard, uh, we don't have to go down the road again, but I, I, I assume Ballard's safe at this point, right? Wouldn't you just fire them both at the same time if you were going to hand them? I mean, maybe he's just keeping them there just to handle like day-to-day stuff for right maybe. now. Maybe. But I, I, I don't know why you keep both of them, but who, who, who the hell knows? I mean, this is just, I never thought that we would be sitting here saying that Jeff Saturday is about to be introduced as the new Indianapolis <laughs> head coach. Like and I never, and look, the way they've treated the quarterback position is exactly the way that John Robinson has treated the wide receiver position. That leads us into our discussion about the Tennessee Titans woeful offense that looked great at times or maybe exciting and then looked really trashy in other times. And this all comes down to the wide receiver position, the offensive line position, which we have beaten with a dead horse as well. So a lot of dead horse metaphors on the show today, but we've beaten that one so much. We know John Robinson's at fault because John Robinson is the one who has drafted the players and has signed the players and let go of certain players and did this and that. And the team has been given what they've been given. I'd like to say one thing about the whole wide receiver thing. And it really about the trade deadline in general. If you don't think that John Robinson called to try to do some trades, then you don't know what it takes to be a, uh, the day-to-day doings of a general manager. Doesn't mean that I think that he was successful or that he maybe should have put in a little more effort or maybe he should have overpaid for a Chase Claypool or Jerry Judy. I, I, I'm not saying any of that. It's the people who say for a lack that he's not even trying, that he did nothing. You're wrong. You're an idiot. And please seek help. Uh, there's yeah, there's no doubt that he made phone calls and tried. I mean, like, look, they know the wide receiver issue is bad. Like Vrabel openly admitted it to Ed Werder, basically saying, "Who and, the fuck are we going to throw the ball to?" No, is- no reporter after the game or on to in Monday's press conference brought up and asked him about that quote. I can't believe that Mis- either. Miscarriage, miscarriage of media justice. That that was, I, honestly, I, I was like, are we sure Vrabel actually said that on the record? Or was that something that like Werder, uh, you know, he just brought up to Werder when, you know, he thought that he wasn't really going to be <laughs> quoted there. Um, because honestly, like, that's the most out of, you know, Vrabel and Robinson both are very buttoned up publicly most of the time, like very tight with information that that is by design. Um, because they don't want stuff like this getting out there, but that would be the most out of step that we've ever seen him and Robinson, right? Him basically admitting 
look, we got fucking nobody to throw the football to. Um, because that is a, a, a clear indictment on John Robinson. And, and look, nobody is nobody would argue with anybody that says like John Robinson has mismanaged the wide receiver position. He absolutely has. Uh, you know, whether it's drafting Des Fitzpatrick or um, you know, trading for Julio Jones, which look had like a 100% approval rate at the time that it happened. Um, and it just didn't work out and we all know the reasons why and, and everything like that. But, uh, either way it's John Robinson's job to bet that trade out and, and to not make it if it's, if, you know, Julio Jones was not going to be able to help them. Um, but I kind of like, he's made a mistake after mistake with the position and then obviously trading away AJ Brown, which looks horrible. Now I still contend that we are, can't close the book on that trade until we actually know what Traylon Burks is because that's kind of the the linchpin of the trade from the Titans side is hey if Traylon Burks is really good then yeah you make that deal um if he's not then it's a horrible trade and that's that's what it's going to come down to not to put too much pressure on Traylon Burks but uh it is it stinks that that is what they had to put out there on the field in this game and yes the two injuries to Burks and Phillips uh take away two of probably their three best or absolutely two of their three best receivers but uh you know maybe their two best receivers given the way uh you know Robert Woods has kind of disappeared at times but you're still relying on two rookies to be your best pass catchers in an offense like that, that's not a good situation it's not so i don't know it it's i mean i just don't think terrible. that he it's a terrible situation but i also we we talked about that we're not sure if it really fixes anything. I do think that it fixes last night, but you know, it's yeah. a game by game situation, right? I mean, it, it you could say it fixes one thing, but it may not fix a giant the Giants loss. Probably doesn't fix the Giants loss if you had a wide receiver uh right then and there, because really they the 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 wide receivers you had, specifically Kyle Phillips, showed up. Yeah. And Burks, you know, Burks made plays in that game. Burks too. made plays game in that yeah. So like it's hard for me to reconcile that a guy who kicked the tires and was one of the final three teams on Antonio Brown at the Combine a few years ago has decided, well, I'm not calling on anybody anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, and then went all in on Julio and won that bidding war. Um, yeah. it, like, it's not like he hasn't tried. He he spent a top five pick on a wide receiver. He drafted AJ Brown. Like, he has tried to address the receiver position. I I always hear people say. Well, he clearly just doesn't value receiver. He doesn't care about receiver. He's spent a ton of assets on receiver. Yes. He hasn't spent a ton of them wisely, um, but he spent a ton of assets there. I, I think they want to get that spot right. They've just struggled there for whatever reason. And like it, AJ obviously was a wild hit. Um, I thought Corey Davis was a pretty good football player, although not worth the fifth overall pick. Um, it, it's just, it's not it's not worked out for whatever. And we don't know on Burks like Burks. I know everybody's pissed off that he's been out uh, a few games here. And, you know, it's not like he was wildly productive before he got hurt. Um, but I, I think Burks is going to come back and be an impact player for them down the stretch. I really do. I, I believe that. And they need it. Like they've got to have it, but yeah, to say as far as the trade deadline stuff goes that Robinson doesn't care, wasn't trying. Like I, I just fully don't believe that. Cause I, you know, Hey, if they had Jerry Judy going up to try to catch that ball instead of NWI last night, maybe he makes that play. Maybe he doesn't. I, you know, I don't know. Jerry Judy, I think, is a little overrated personally. But yeah, um, 
either way, maybe maybe he makes that play. Let's just say he does, and the Titans win the game. If he produces like what his average production has been for the last three years over the next, you know, back half of this season and next year, is that worth a second and another mid-round pick, which is apparently what the Broncos were after? Because I don't think it is. Um, I mean, I get like... You're trading more for a younger version of Robert Woods when you look at the stats. Like, when you look at the stats, there's really no difference between Jerry Judy and Robert Woods except for age. Right. And and the same like the people who complained about, well, that's too much for Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool's better than Jerry Judy, and they were asking more for Jerry Judy. And I'll be the guy to say it. I know people supposedly hate Chase Claypool, but if you look at the metrics, look at the yards, look at the time played, the the durability, Chase Claypool has everything except for yards per reception, where Jerry Judy is just slightly better. But he has more yards, more touchdowns, more rushing yards. He has everything that you're looking for in a wide receiver. And I get that he made some boneheaded plays and and people are, are really clinging to that that are non-Titans fans or that are Titans fans for some reason. But there are, players make bonehead plays all the time. It's just, it's, I don't know why, but no player is actually perfect. But when you look at the wide receivers, Mike, Chris Conley, 0.88 yards separation. Robert Woods, 0.92. Cody Hollister, 0.57. Austin Hooper, 2 yards. Chico Conquo, 2.24 yards. The league average was 2.92 yards separation. They can't get open. Now, I ask you, because we're not diving into the Todd Downey conversation yet, because I do want to get into that too, but can they be schemed open? And are they being schemed open? Now, I don't think they were particularly last night, but um, as a whole, it doesn't feel like they're being schemed open to their ability. It seems like they're being treated like you got a bunch of Tyreek Hills out there. It could be schemed open a little better for, um, to some degree, right? Like the problem with the Titans right now, I feel like is is they don't have anyone that you're afraid of at wide receiver, obviously. And that allows teams to play super aggressive. And, and the more aggressive you play with a you know team like this, the harder it is to scheme guys open because, I mean, they, teams can come up and play press man. And, like, yeah, you can do some, like, rub routes and stuff like that and try to, like, pick guys or whatever. But at the, at the end of the day, if you can't separate against man coverage, you're going to be in for a long day. And teams just right now are just not afraid at all to just walk up and play press man coverage against the Titans and stack the box against Derrick Henry because they don't feel like anyone can beat them. That's why you saw them taking those shots down the field, you know, in the, especially in the second half where they were just, it seemed like every time they dropped back and did like a straight drop, it was just like, Oh, we're throwing a go ball down the sideline. It's because they were getting pressed up. And you know, those guys were, you know, frankly, NWI won uh, that route on, on that go ball, you know, the ball was maybe slightly underthrown. It was still overall a good pass and should have been caught, but uh, the Conley throw was absolutely perfect. And again, he had won uh, that route should have made the play. And I, I think at the end of the day, you're going to have to have somebody who can beat man coverage. And I, I think Burks and Phillips are your two guys that you, you think can do that. And that's why I think, Getting those guys back could still make a really big difference for them um, as far as being able to create separation. I, I don't think you, I don't think you're going to get a huge 
improvement, regardless of, you know, what plays you're running when it's Hollister and Conley and uh, NWI out there. I just, they're just all blah kind of wide receivers and, and none of them are going to get like big separation and be wide open all the time. Um, now, I, I also don't think the Titans offense is particularly like beautifully schemed in the passing game. I, I don't think they have a ton of like really interesting concepts on that, that side of the, the, the offense either. So it's, it's all kind of combining to make it feel really boxed in offensively, including the quarterback issue, which we can talk about in a minute separately, but um, yeah, the wide receiver spot is, it's really bad. They fucking have to have Traylon Burks be healthy, come back, stay healthy, be productive. They've got to have that. And obviously he's eligible to come off of IR this week. I'm assuming that he will. There's some pretty strong hints out there that he will uh, be activated off of IR this week, but God, do they need it. You'll know more about that on Wednesday when Mike Fribble does presser. Um, Let's talk about Malik because I look at this game and I get a lot of positive vibes from it. And and here's what I mean by that is that Malik had probably two or three drop passes that would have made his stats look a whole lot better than what they were. He had no offensive line. He, he came out and said it straight up. I'm just waiting for people to get open. <laughs> and and really, the, the, the Chiefs did a good job of being able to make it make it where that it doesn't really look like that hardly anybody was opening at the times. And those go routes that you're talking about and those deep shots, it was almost like I thought he was going to overthrow every one of them because he, he gets the ball and he just chunks it. And I'm like, who is he throwing it to down there? Because I know nobody's that fast. But sure enough, someone was there to catch some of them. I got a lot of positive vibes for Malik Willis. And I think... Well, I'm not sitting here ready to say that, okay, well, the Titans should get rid of Ryan Tannehill next year and start him. I do think that this team is in a place currently that if they were to do that, it may not be a double-digit win team. It may be a 9-8 and win team. But I think they're going to look good enough to give Malik Willis a full season of work Kind of like what you had Josh Allen have to go through, right? Because there was a massive, I feel like there was a massive leap between last week's Malik Willis and this week Malik Willis in a positive light. Now, there were still some issues, but you, that's what you we've all been looking for, right? Was that massive jump, and he finally did it. He didn't do it through three preseason games. He didn't do it from the preseason game to the first regular season game they started. He, it was, I think it was your, you were right last week when you said when, Malik Willis got hit by the Houston Texans and got really smacked to the ground. You saw different Malik Willis come back up. And I think that's you saw that Malik Willis carry over to here. Not perfect. And I'm not saying that he should start every game from here on in. But if they would carry over what they did in the first half to every half of every game with Malik Willis starting, I think you'd find some success for a rookie raw quarterback that needs to learn within game actual experience. Yeah. I, I thought he was a lot better, obviously. Like he, he played, he showed a tremendous improvement. He looked a lot more comfortable for one. That was, that was a, 
noticeable thing. I mean, you could see last last week when it just looked like he was very hesitant on certain certain throws and stuff like that. And it felt like in this game, for the most part, he was hitting his back step and either cutting it loose or or you know looking to run and and get out of there. Which maybe that was what they coached him to do this week. Just say, hey, if you if your read isn't there or if you don't like it, just pull it down and go. Um, which is fine. That that's totally acceptable uh for a guy at his current stage in his development but um i also thought they did take some things in the offense and tailor it more to his skill set this week than they did last week because the, the throws that he res- really hesitated on last week almost all of them were in the middle of the field um and I, he was not he did not it's been well covered at this point but he did not throw over the middle of the field at liberty like hardly at all his heat map was very extreme throwing to the boundaries and not targeting the middle of the field so i i don't think he's totally comfortable throwing in the middle of the field and i think they specifically were trying to keep him out of the middle middle of the field so he didn't throw any more interceptions or turn the ball over uh especially in the second half so i think they were intentionally trying to keep him outside the numbers with a lot of these throws and take advantage of some of that arm strength that he's got. Um, but also keep him in situations where it's a one-on-one matchup and it's not a muddy, messy read. I think that was very clearly their uh, uh, intention and plan with that game plan. And it worked to a large degree because they did move the football pretty well. And they did, keep him out of turnovers and they did get some real chances for explosive plays in the passing game with uh you know those if hell if one of those passes gets caught it's uh it's probably a win for the titans um that that should have been caught and then you know hell if they, they throw a flag on the obvious uh, uh austin hooper defensive pass interference play like there there was a lot of opportunities for them to win this game uh, given the plan that they put in place and, and Malik Willis's execution of it. So I, I don't think they lost because of Malik Willis in any way, shape, or form. And I am encouraged. Like, this game gives me some hope that, like, okay, you can see what this could maybe look like if he was the guy. Like, obviously, that's not what you want the finished product to look like, but you're starting to see, like, okay, there's some stuff here to work with, like physically, you know, ball placement wise. I thought he was very accurate on almost all of his throws. He had one pretty bad miss to Chig where I thought Chig was open on an out route. I think that was the first play coming out off of that uh, interception by McCreary. Um, but besides that, uh, most of his balls were very accurate um, in this game. You know, he, he had several throwaways and stuff like that, which obviously doesn't count. But um, yeah, I thought I thought a lot of what he did was very positive, and I come away from that game feeling encouraged. But I also feel like where he is right now offensively limits them. It kind of boxes them into what what Malik Willis is good at, which isn't necessarily what the rest of the offense is good at right now, right? So it it pairs down some of what you can do, but just because frankly he's not going to know uh, the offense as well as Ryan Tannehill does obviously that that shouldn't be you know a shock to anybody he also isn't going to be comfortable like that's the that's the other thing too like this guy's had two weeks of first team reps which is why i thought it was crazy that people were like after that houston game writing him off as if it was like the end of his career and uh 
you know, the Titans should just move on now because he's clearly oh, that a boss. Was, that was wild. Or or benching him for Woodside, which you know, I well that uh, I can't believe we didn't start off with that because I thought that was the stupidest fucking narrative to come out all week. And our own Justin Mello <laughs> sent a message last night during the game. So Justin Mello, Broadway Sports Media and the Draft Network sends out a a insane message. Just after the first drive, I think. My Logan Woodside gives him a slightly better chance. Probably won't look so ridiculous by the end of the game because he that's what he said earlier in the week, that Logan Woodside gives him a slightly better chance. Are you kidding me? There is no way. The, the, the throws that Malik Willis and the plays that Malik Willis made, I don't think very many backup quarterbacks could have done in that thing. Now, maybe they would have designed a different play or this or that. But let me say something. Logan Woodside is turning that ball over. He's a, he's prone to turnovering the to throw turnovers, and he's going to throw at least two interceptions. Malik Willis gave him the best chance, and I want to throw some some more names out at you, and I want you to tell me if they would have won that game last night. Okay, so here we go. Matt Barkley, no. Case Keenum, maybe. Sean Mannion, no. Chad Henney. No. So those four names, because right now uh, on Monday, Jared Stillman, he tweeted it on Sunday during the game, is that it was a gross miscarriage of injustice and bad GMing that they did not trade or sign an actual backup quarterback. And he says, for sure, all four of these quarterbacks would have won that game where Malik Willis could. No, no, not a chance. Not a chance. It was the no. most ridiculous thing. Sean, and I'm a big Sean Mannion guy. I mean, Sean oh, Mannion for OC. You know me, I'm a manuary. Yeah. And Chad Henney? Matt Barkley? No. Matt Barkley couldn't beat out Logan Woodside. Are those guys even in the league right now? Yeah, I think they are. I think they're all actual backups. I know okay. Chad Henney is actually the Kansas City backup. <laughs> okay, okay. Sean Mannion, I think, is still with the Rams, but I'm not entirely sure. Well, yeah, I think I think next game that the Titans and Chiefs play each other, they should have Henny start and the Titans can start Tannehill and that we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. You know, I, I I love what I saw from Malik Wills, and I'm like you, here's the thing. If if they see enough from Malik Wills, because I think they're we're gonna see some more Malik Willis over the next two weeks. We'll talk about that when we talk about the Broncos game. But if he continues a progression even if maybe this week was the baseline and he doesn't get much better, like we don't see an even bigger leap in the next start. If they feel that he's shown enough that they can move on and maybe do something with him, they have to change the offensive scheme. And I think you agree with me to suit his needs. And that means getting players in for this team. And that mean what I mean by that is that they have to get some wide receivers, some offensive line guys in this. I am tired of, and I said it today in the group chat, I am tired of them spending a lot of money on defense. At this point, and this defense showed it out last night, it doesn't matter if you're starting Elijah Molden or Joshua Kalu. They're going to get what they can get out of every defensive player because Mike Vrabel, Shane Bowen are that good at their job. That defensive staff is that good at their job. Pay Jeffrey Simmons. Don't misconstrue me. Pay Jeffrey Simmons. But you don't need a, and I'm, we're big Bud Dupree guys. You don't need a Bud Dupree at his contract when you could get like a Marcus Golden for 
$10 million cheaper. Spend all your money, all your resources on the offense this coming offseason, regardless of if you're going to move on with Malik or not. Even if it's Ryan Tannehill again, you have to go all offense because right now, this offense is worse than the through eight games than the 2015 Titans offense. That is wild to me. I did not. My my plan was because you, you're very much. Uh, you don't think that Todd Downing fi- being fired is going to change anything. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's going to change anything significantly. Yeah, yeah, and I say it's just going to slightly change something. Maybe slightly get better. At worst case scenario, it just gets slightly better, which is fine by me. I just need I need an offensive coordinator on one of my fucking teams, including Alabama, to be a competent person. I got to have some competent offensive football in my life on weekends. But I was going to say, okay, well, wouldn't you rather have Terry Robisky at this point than Todd Downing? Because I've, I'm, I was going to go back and look at the, the exotic Smash Mouth numbers for 2017 and compare it to this. And then I was thinking, I'm just kind of curious. What does the 2015 numbers look like? It can't be better, right? I mean, it's 2015 had Andy Gallick starting, Joe Looney starting, these Chance Warmack, the Jeremiah Putasi was starting seven games, those first seven games. Surely this is not a better offensive unit than the 2022 Titans offense. And sure enough, it was. I could not fucking believe it, Mike. Jason Michaels better than Todd Downey. I, I can't. Why not just go ahead and fire him? You're not going to keep him after the offseason, right? I mean, you wouldn't think so. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I have a hard time fully blaming Todd Downing for what happened last night because I also look at it as they went into Kansas City with Malik Willis, who played pretty well, but is, still a rookie quarterback who has like zero experience with an NFL offense and uh, had two weeks of starting reps and a bunch of trash cans for wide receivers. And they damn near pulled it off. I mean, I think the plan, you know, was executed pretty well overall. And they played it a little tighter, like closer to the vest in the second half, just because of the, uh, you know, they had the lead I think they were just trying to avoid turnovers and and make sure that they didn't put themselves in a spot where, you know, they gave Kansas City a short field. But I don't I don't have a huge issue with the plan last night. Now, the performance of the offense overall this season has been bad. And that I think is where you can start to make a case against Downing. But Downing, the outcry for Downing to be fired today, I I just don't get why. Like, I mean, I understand they lost a football game, and every time a team loses a football game, the coaching staff should be fired. But uh, Downing, I don't think had a, a terrible game last night. I really don't. Like with what he had to work with. But even in the second half, you don't think that there were some questionable play calling decisions, play designs. I mean, I mean they went away from everything that worked in the first half. I don't, I don't know that they went away from everything that worked in the first half by choice. I think they were pushed out of it by the fact that the first two drives, they got penalties that just absolutely, or no, I'm sorry. I've got, I've got to break down the drives here. So first drive, they rush for a yard. Then they have a penalty on second down, which puts them in second and 14. Uh, they call a pass. Malik ends up scrambling for a couple yards. Then they run one, they run it and punt. Um, then 
the next one is the short short field after the McCreary pick. Malik Willis misses a throw to Conquo. They run twice, kick a field goal. Um, third drive starts with a penalty, puts them behind the down and distance. They're, they run and they try to pass and Malik ends up scrambling again. Then they run a screen and they punt. Um, now, I think the, the biggest gripe that I've got with his second half play calling is probably in the fifth drive where they, they come out and they get a couple runs and pick up a first down and then they run again. And I think got one. Uh, and then they take that deep shot to NWI when they, the deep shot to NWI to me felt a little bit forced that they could have just continued to run the football and likely taken the field goal there, which would have put them up 20 to nine. Um, and I thought they got a little bit too aggressive there. Uh, if anything, although at the same time, catch the fucking ball NWI. Like if he catches the ball, nobody's bitching about Todd Downing today. Like, right. That cause they end up winning the game. If he catches the ball and, and hell, they're probably up 24 to nine at that point. Um, and you know, we're, we're having a totally different conversation today, but I, that was really my biggest gripe was that series right there was the getting away from the run and trying to throw that deep ball to NWI. And that was my biggest problem with the whole second half play call. Otherwise it was penalties. 28 plays for seven yards in the second half. No, it's terrible. It, it was terrible. Every time they ran a good play, it got called back for a penalty. Every time. It, it was brutal. I guess I guess for me, it's it's not just about technically last night. It's just that I've been trying to fire Todd Downing since last year. And it's yeah. it's it, at some point, someone needs to be fired. I mean, like I I I I would I will take anything to show that hey, we know that this offense is not very good. And we know that part of the problem is our play calling. This is not a Shane Bowen situation. We thought that last year, right? We thought last year, heading into this year, they'll give they'll give Todd Downey another chance because obviously injuries starting 91 different players. It was just crazy, right? It was just a crazy year. And it's just the same thing this year. And it, it's, it's the same. Because like w- what we say... Heading into the playoffs last year, Mike, we said they're getting A.J. Brown back. They're getting Julio Jones back. They're getting Derrick Henry back. This offense is going to look 10 times different, and it just didn't. Yeah, And I feel like that's what we're setting ourselves up for again this time. And Look, the thing is, maybe it is a Shane Bowen situation, though, because what what else did they do for Shane Bowen when he got made defensive coordinator, right? They gave him a bunch of fucking new players. They gave him six new starters on that defense. They gave him Danico Autry. They gave him uh, Bud Dupree. Uh, they gave him, um, you know, who else did they add in that uh, in that offseason? They gave him, well, Christian Fulton became a real NFL corner. They gave him Jackrabbit Jenkins. Um, they added a ton of pieces to that defense that really helped from a personnel standpoint. Um, and this offense is not as good and it's not as talented as the one that they had last year. So of course it's like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Todd Downing's a great offensive coordinator. I don't think he is. And I do think they need to move on uh, from him at some point, but I also don't think this is all his fault. And that I, I don't think that uh, I think, I don't think it's all his fault. But I think it's a bullshit good change roster. to make. I think it's a good change to make. Like, but, here, but my, my problem is, 
is Tim Kelly going to be any better? Like he's the passing game coordinator. The passing game fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. It, he, that's what he is ostensibly in charge of designing and it's not working. Or maybe Todd or T- Todd Downing is calling the wrong plays and he should be calling different passing plays. Maybe he's not calling the right plays. I mean, it, like to maybe, me, that's the thing is the game maybe, flow is just off. The game flow is off. I think the designs are off too. Like some of the designs look terrible. Um, I don't know. It's it's a little bit of everything with this offense. And I ultimately, I think it comes back to like, you're starting a rookie quarterback who's not really ready yet. And a bunch of practice squad receivers. I mean, they, if you put this, if you put Cody Hollister and Chris Conley and Nick Westbrook Akine out there with almost any other quarterback in the NFL short of like maybe Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Do you think the offense would look a lot better? I mean, and then you throw in the fact that you've got a rookie quarterback on top of it all. I, I don't know. If you look around the NFL, look at what the what's happening to the Bucks, what's happened to the Rams. And those teams have good receivers, but they don't they can't block, which is the other issue here. The Titans can't pass block for anything, so they don't have any ability to like run any long developing routes or or let Malik Willis sit in the pocket and wait for somebody to come open and zone. It's got to be open like right now, or they've just got to bail out of it and run. And it's, I just don't know what you do with this set of personnel right now. I, I don't know what the answer is from a coaching standpoint, which is why I feel like firing Downing is just like sacrificing, uh, you know, somebody to, make you temporarily feel better and then when the offense rolls out next week under tim kelly and puts up you know 12 points against the broncos and everyone's just gonna be like oh the wide wide receivers fucking suck and it's like the colts firing marcus brady like what what fucking good did that do yeah but i mean the the difference is, is that you knew that the the problem was higher up than that particular coach and i think that he when you look at it it's your Wide receivers, your offensive line, and your offensive coordinator. I think that if you're looking to make easy changes to maybe spark anything, like sometimes you just get a bump and a spark from maybe all the players just don't like Todd down. You know, there there could be that issue, right? I mean, there there you never know. Maybe Tim Kelly just we we've heard that Tim Kelly is really good at explaining and teaching stuff. Now maybe that doesn't really matter, but to me it's like. Just do something because they're doing nothing. They're still trotting, trotting out Dennis Daly. They're still letting Todd Downing call plays. They have not made a move for a wide receiver that it's an appropriate move because they're too busy trying to find who is the cheapest motherfucker that can block that we could put out there. Oh, Chris Conley. Let's try Chris Conley this week. Wouldn't be surprised if they trotted out Muhammad Sanu and then we're back at the same fucking thing because you, Mohamed Sanu is Chris Conley, who's Josh Gordon, who's Cody Hollister, who's Nick Westbrook-Kinney. I mean, like, they're all the same at this point. Bring me something new because we're. let's talk about it. This defense is epic. It's elite. It is so fucking good. And this offense is so fucking terrible that they are wasting a perfect, a perfect defense a championship caliber defense with Andrew Adams and Josh Kalu in the lineup playing all kinds of different uh, snaps I think Andrew Adams played 91 snaps with Roger McCreary Christian Fulton Kevin Byard and David Long all played 91 snaps it's insane they're wasting this because they refuse 
for whatever reason, to just do something. Whether that's Dylan Raiden's that listen, I'll take Dylan Raiden's over Dennis Daly, and I will shut up about Todd Downing unless he does something really, really fucking egregious a couple of games in a row. I just want something because this defense is so fucking good. It's so fun to watch. It's the only thing that you should be tuning in for at this moment is, is to watch this defense fucking, like we said, and like how everybody has now jumped on board and suddenly, you know, start copying us. I've heard so many people, even Cruden, including Chris Collinsworth last night, copying us, said they want to beat the shit out of you. And that's what this defense does week in and week out. And they did it to the Chiefs. And it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it, the defense is incredible. And and the coaching job on the defense, I think, is unbelievable. Because you do have guys like Andrew Adams and Josh Kalu out there playing like a ton of snaps against this Chiefs uh, passing attack. And doing a good job. Like, these guys come in off the streets and they do a good fucking job. And, and that is... A good sign of good coaching, uh, no matter what. And I think Brable and Bowen and Schwartz and the whole defensive brain trust that they've got over there at this point are just unbelievably good at their jobs. And they also have done a good job. Like for all the for all the shit we give John Robinson about wide receivers and everything else on the offense, you know, tackles, whatever. Um, and he deserves all that. He also rebuilt this defense in one fucking offseason out of a, a smoldering garbage pile that was the 2020 Titans defense. And for the last two years, they've been fucking awesome. And they're only getting better. And they continue to do stuff like find guys like Mario Edwards Jr. and Demarcus Walker, guys that you know nobody really wanted um, and were sitting around out there and can come in and do a job for you. And they're really good at finding guys like that to bring in and just rotate in and get get some production out of them. I mean, Dylan Cole and all these fucking guys, uh, Terrence Mitchell, like those guys all come in and do a job here. And it's impressive. It's one, it's good on the coaching staff, but it's also pretty good roster management by, you know, the front office being able to find and identify guys that fit this defense and get them in there. Now, I wish they would do it on offense too. Like, oh my I, God, I know, please I know, help us. But I, here's one thing <laughs> I am kind of getting frustrated with. Like, the, the defense is fantastic. And the defense is going to give them a chance to win pretty much every game at this point. So, I know, like, the offense is a real pain point and and sometimes when the offense isn't right it just never nobody nobody's ever going to be happy right um but the defense is absolutely incredible like so many guys playing great football on that side of the ball um and it's not it's not a fluke like that that I had so many people when I posted the uh um I think it was um Sean Calderon uh, posted the five game winning streak defensive like EPA uh, snap rates and stuff like that or or defensive uh, rankings and then I I sorted out the garbage time because it, you know like we talked about last week this this team just doesn't fucking care about style points they're just happy to win by however many points they can win by and and whatever is the easiest way to win the game um, when you filter out the garbage time. The Titans' defensive performance over the past five weeks was like an outlier of outliers. Like it was in fucking outer space uh, for being as good as it was. Um, and that that 
all the replies I got underneath that tweet were like, well, but they didn't play anybody. Yeah, well, they, you know, let they me know dominated who they're else. supposed to dominate. And that's what we've always talked about the Tennessee yeah. Titans team in general, not just defense, but in offense and the way they play is that they never dominate anybody. This team defensively is dominating everybody, including Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. The Chiefs are a very, very tough matchup for the Titans defense because if you are going to beat the Titans defense, the way to do it is by throwing the football on them, right? Like, you just are not going to fucking run the ball against Tennessee this year, period. It's not happening. I know the Giants did it in week one. It's been a long time since then, and nobody's run it since. The Chiefs had, like, 10 running yards last they night. They had 6.6 success rate on runs 6.6 and Mahomes was the only person who could run on that and it was just him running out of the pocket and making magic happen like he somehow does even though he looks slow as fuck out there yeah but in anyways uh you're just not gonna run the football on the Titans so when the Titans play these other teams like you know we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit Denver and Green Bay teams that really need to run the ball right now because they are not having success throwing the football, this defense is going to look even better. Yeah. Because, and especially against offensive lines that are not as good as Kansas City's. Kansas City's offensive line is a little overrated because the tackles aren't very good, but they are good in the middle. And, you know, they were able to contain Jeffrey Simmons more than he's been contained all season. And he's still Um, got five pressures. Yeah, and he's what well, he still got five pressures, partially because they they had like sixty eight dropbacks or or something like yeah. that. But um, they contain Jeffrey Simmons more than most teams will. Uh, that probably won't happen again for the rest of the season. That's that's going to be the best interior offensive line that they're going to face. So besides Thir- maybe the Eagles, thirty seven pressures allowed. Yeah. So all I mean, you talk about sixty eight. That's over half of the dropbacks of sixty eight pass plays. He was pressured on 37, eight by Nico Autry, eight by Mario Edwards. And you put out a tweet last night and I was very upset. And you said that nobody's talking about Nico Autry. And all we did two weeks ago was talk about Nico Autry for the Pro Bowl. And I'm starting it again. And I started some hashtags last night and I'm escalating it. Nico Autry for all pro because by God, if he's not one of the the best players on this team, Outside of Jeffrey Simmons, he's one of the best players in the NFL defensive wise in a in a time where everybody kind of just is ho hum. This entire defense is so good. Josh Kalou, uh, believe it was four or five for 22 yards. He only allowed one catch on, and he played major majority of the time in the slot. He looked great. This this defense, I just can't say enough about. It's like, what more can we say about the defense that we don't say every week? Because every week we're saying, Danico Autry for the Pro Bowl. Jeffrey Simmons is the best defensive player. Christian Fulton is out here locking down players. The t- they actually looked pretty good against Travis Kelsey as a whole, using a mishmash of different people. It took a tipped pass by Roger McCreary and Noah Gray to make a spectacular acrobatic catch off the tip to even get them into the overtime scoring position. It took a bullshit off a defensive pass interference call on Travis Kelsey, which really should have been just offset penalties, and they just redone it instead of moving them forward. You know, it just took all kinds of stupid crap. And I, I couldn't... It's one of those games where I'm sitting there watching it, Mike, and I'm thinking throughout the whole game, 
especially after the first two touchdown drives by the Titans. I'm thinking, I'm going to have to fucking eat my words. Like, I'm going to have to say that this team could, could win a Super Bowl. This defense is, is Super Bowl caliber defense. It all is on the offense at this point. Offense and health. It's all on the offense. The head coach is a Super Bowl caliber head coach. The defensive staff, the defensive players, the punter, the coverage units. Everything is Super Bowl caliber except for everything on the offensive side of the ball, except for Derrick Henry, which, by the way, Rob Greenlaw was there at the game, and he said the reason, well, possibly the reason, but he said he saw Derrick Henry go into the medical tent a couple of times during the game. He popped up with a foot injury. There could be some cause for concern. There could also be cause for concern as we're heading into the Denver game. Let's transition to that that Ryan Tannehill may not be playing. And I kind of get the feeling to, from talking to a few people, and you think it kind of makes sense, that they could sit Ryan Tannehill these next two games. Now, you had said off air that you don't think that there's a good chance they win it, the, these two games if he does sit. But again, this defense is so good, and these running back situations for the Packers, where Aaron Jones is kind of feeling a little stiff, he may or may not be ready by the time they play. Um, even if he is, he's going to be gimpy. But then you got the Broncos. Who they just trade for? Uh, Jacob Martin. No, the yeah. Broncos traded for a running back, right? Mm. Did they trade for a running back recently, or did they sign one? Uh, but it's Melvin Gordon right now. Yeah, um, it's like oh. Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray, right? I think is the other one they've got over there. Um, but. Yeah, the, the Packers are also going to be Chase without... Edmonds. They traded for Chase Edmonds. Okay. Um, the Packers are also going to be without Romeo Dobbs in that game. Uh, it was a piece of receiver. shit, but that's just my fantasies. And uh, they're going to be without Rashawn Gary, who's obviously out for the year now, which is a big loss for them. Uh, they David Bakhtiari can't stay healthy. John Runyon, their starting right guard, left that game. Little so Wayne's Packers, mad at him, too. Little Wayne said they should have got rid of Aaron Rodgers last year. Well, the, you know, if Lil Wayne's mad at him, then, you know, you know, it's things over. have gone awry. Um, yeah. But it is, uh, yeah, the Packers are really reeling and like feeling like that they are on the verge of collapse here. If they aren't already in collapse after losing to Detroit. I mean, uh, and a pathetic offensive showing against the, the terrible Lions defense. Um, but Denver, we all know what that offense has looked like all year now. Coming out of the bye. Is not a great deal for the Titans because it does give Russell Wilson a little bit of a chance. If his shoulder was bothering him, if his hamstring was bothering him, to maybe work some of that shit out a little bit. But either way, the Titans should beat these offenses up really bad. Like I, I, I hesitate to say they should win both of these games regardless of who's at quarterback because – you know, a couple turnovers could turn either one of these games on their head, but uh, it feels like games that they could win with Malik Willis. And and with the and look, Schefter was it sounded like just speculating. I'm not totally reading into it, but it seems like it may be a high ankle sprain. He mentioned that in a tweet uh, this weekend with Ryan Tannehill. Um, and I I don't think I've seen that reported, but it makes sense. Uh, given kind of some of the stuff that we've heard about the injury and, and the timeline and stuff like that, which 
you know, typically high ankle sprains are about four to six weeks. So if he doesn't return until uh, the Bengals game, which would be um, two weeks from now, it'd put him right at like five weeks recovery time. Um, so that would make some sense. And there also may be some question if, if that ankle is still not feeling great, do you really want to play two games in five days on it? Um, and is that the best thing for him moving forward? So I, I think there is some possibility that this is going to be two more games of Malik Willis and they're going to have to try to find a way to survive uh, until Tannehill can come back. But, you know, you could pick worse teams to to be playing and, and trying to survive. Well, against. it's a lot harder, especially if Derrick Henry is going to be that. That is the most, you know, I'm not big into injury reports. And I'm not saying that any of these injury reports are pivotal, but I will be keeping a close eye on Derrick Henry. The defensive players are going to pop up on the injury report. They're probably just getting rest days at this point All because they fucking just got. I mean, they were gassed. I mean, like they were they were done. And I think the entire starting defense should not practice this week. They yeah, they should just all they should all get to sit in fucking lounge chairs, uh, getting massages while they watch the the offense practice. Is basically the way practice should go this week. The Denver defense is really really good it'll be the best defense that they have faced since probably the buffalo bills defense uh i i worry about malik that game not necessarily with a couple of the injuries that they're having with the packers i think that like it's kind of like an almost even game with the edge to our defense but this denver game but it's home right i mean like it's a it's a home game correct denver? uh yeah for denver yeah it's a it's, it's a home game denver is, we're going to denver no, 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 no. Okay, no, it's okay. it's a it's in Nashville. That's what, um, I, thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, Titans I go to Green myself. Bay. They go to Green Bay. Um, so and look, traveling on a short week is always tough. Um, regardless of opponent, but look, I mean, the Packers are in a bad spot right now. So I, you, you got to hope you take advantage of a couple games here that that you should. Should be able to win, given uh, where where your opponents are right now in the season. And the Broncos, I mean, they basically packed it in when they traded Nick Chubb. I mean, it, they know they're not going anywhere. It'll be the co- biggest coaching mismatch in the NFL uh, on Sunday between Vrabel and Hackett. So, you know, it, God, it's, it's one of those games. It would be devastating <laughs> to lose that game, uh, especially after all the shit I've talked about the Broncos this year. Brian Baldinger is is a big fan of the Malik Willis, you know, being he thinks that Malik Willis is going to be a big problem for years to come. Malik Willis in this game could be a little up and down. Are we just stuck with Dennis Daly and Todd Downing and these wide receivers until the other wide receivers are healthy? I mean, is that is that really just where we're at and we just all need to accept it and shut the fuck up? I mean, I I think I think so. I mean, I I don't think I don't think they're going to make a move for daily, which frankly, daily wasn't that bad in this game. Honestly, I think he had one pretty bad uh, miss, but for him, that's a, yeah. that's a good game. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going to make a move with daily. I don't think they're going to make a move with downing and the wide receiver. Like I, I fully expect Burks to come back for this game. And, and if he does, that's going to be very interesting to see how he's used. Cause honestly, Brable on Monday, when he talked about, uh, Burks and his his rehab and how that was coming along and everything. He was pretty glowing uh, by Vrabel standards about Burks and, you know, said was really complimentary of how hard he's worked and the shape that he's in. And he said, you know, mentally he's in the best place that he's been. 
as far as understanding the offense and what we're asking him to do and stuff like that. So I think he's going to be a really big part of the offense when he does finally get back onto the field, which I expect to be this week. So I, I could see him having a little bit of a coming out party in this game against Denver. I do think I do think um, Malik's deep passes would have been caught by Traylon Burks, and I think one of them would have been House, specifically the Chris Conley one. Oh, for sure. I think I think Burks is making those plays. And the NWI play where he goes up to get it, that's a Burke special play, by the way. I mean, like, that's the thing is, I know people are harping on the, well, we we told you that this, people said that uh, as the aggregate that these wide receivers should be better than last year's. They should have been. They're just unhealthy and poor offensive line play has hurt a lot of this, a lot of this right here. And, you know, you know, I still believe that Burks and Phillips can be something. I'm not I'm not giving up on them or anything. And I, I am anxious to see a game with Burks and Malik if the if that is the way they go for the Denver game, which by the way, Jeffrey Simmons, shut the fuck up, man. Why are you telling people that Malik is starting? Why are you texting uh, no. the shows? That's no. crazy. I'm like, hey, I know this guy's your buddy and everything, but that is a no no on uh, game week. My lord. Uh I got one last beef or one last issue that I want to talk to you about, Mike, and it has nothing to do with you. Well, sort of ancillary. <laughs> I am tired of seeing that this is the 32nd ranked offense because it's only the 32nd ranked offense in terms of yards. It is when you, and I did it and uh, I accidentally, my computer shut down, so I didn't get to save it, but I took a, you know, yards per play, yards per game, points per game, and all this stuff, and I ranked them for each team, and then I averaged out the ranks and everything, right? Look, it's not the 32nd, and listen, it's nowhere near probably like, it's nowhere near the 10th, but it's just not the 32nd. It's not the worst offense in the NFL just because of yards, and I'm tired of seeing that. It's just I got to get off my chest. They're 24th in points, 32nd in yards, 31st first downs, 10th best at turnover so that means they don't hardly ever turn it over their top 10 team in that regard pass yards 31st pass touchdowns 29th net yards per attempt 24th rush yards 8th rush touchdowns 3rd yards per attempt 16th in in terms of running the ball 29th and 3rd down percentage 8th and 4th down percentage their first and red zone percentage 23rd in EPA per play and 21st is a success rate this is not the 32nd ranked offense, and I'm tired of seeing people say that without specifying their 32nd in yards. As well, yeah, and look, yards is the dumbest way to rank offenses. I, I know that's the way that the NFL has done it for a long time, and for you know traditionalists, that's still kind of like the way you rank offenses. And and if you say oh the they're the top ranked offense or whatever in the NFL, that means in yards total yards it's the dumbest way to rank teams as far as like effectiveness because there's so much noise baked into that that doesn't matter and isn't useful when the game is about scoring points it's not about gaining yards so your points per game should always be uh the number one metric when it comes to ranking offense or defense um, that's the only one that really at the end of the day matters 
But then if you want to throw in some of the, the other stuff in context and whatnot, then look at, you know, DVOA or look at EPA per play or, or look at some of these other metrics that are far more uh, helpful than just however many yards a team has gained. It just because it just doesn't fucking matter. Like, it really doesn't. The Colts um, are dead last in points per game at 14.7. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Would you rather have their offense or the Titans? I, right. I'll take the Titans offense. That, that to me, it's like you have room in your, in your tweet to put in their 32nd in yards. That's it. This yeah. is, is, if that's what you got to leave. But saying that they're in offense, they're ranked 32nd just drives me up the fucking wall because you know what? People are too lazy to go research stuff themselves. Oh. And so now everybody says, well, this is the 32nd ranked offense. Well, in terms of yards, you fucking idiot. The, the, the number of people, speaking of laziness on Twitter, number of people who ask me questions that are easily Googleable. I'm like, my, my least favorite is the ones where I write down all this stuff and I get all this information, do all this. And I, I put out these tweet threads and they'll go, yeah, but what about this stat? Well, f- go fucking look at this tweet. I yeah. mean, I have to tweet the same two sets of stats every week. Yeah. And 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 I do it every week. I said, just go look at it. Why am I having to do everything? Or, <laughs> hey, well, can you tell me about this one? No, I'm done. I'm, bo- I'm done with, <laughs> you know, doing stuff that I don't get paid to do. I'm yeah. not, it's like when Titans Film Room makes a clip or something and then everybody's like, well, why didn't you use this? Or why don't you do this one? Yeah. Make us a clip of this. Even though he Pants still owes us a Danico Autry Pro Bowl uh, clip. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That will do it for us. I think we got everything off our chest. The Titans take on the Denver Broncos at home in Nashville this Sunday. Should be a um, thrilling defensive game because <laughs> I don't expect a lot of offensive fireworks. Um, more than likely prediction. I'm predicting Malik Willis plays, and I think Derrick Henry is active with a lightened workload. What do you think? Mm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Henry's fine. I I, I think it's a precaution. Maybe he's going pee pee. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. We are sponsored by Jasper's. When you, if you can't make it to the game on Sunday, you should just drive over to Jasper's, get you some two for one beers, and watch games on all the TVs that they got. And they got projection screens and all this great stuff. And get you some food, great wings, great salads, great burgers. Get you everything at Jasper's. Paulkarski.com is where you'll find Mike's written work. You can also see him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL, arguing with people because he, I guess he has nothing better to do. I guess he's fully staffed in his day job and he, he gets to reap the benefits of being the boss man by not doing work and just arguing with you on Twitter. So I, you can follow I, him just, on Twitter. I cannot help myself. I can't help myself. It's so bad. I'm the same way. Dumb shit. I just have to respond to them and be like, no, you fucking idiots. <laughs> I, I am the same way. I hate it because I'm sitting there. You know, I'll get into the same fucking argument with yeah. the same fucking account, and I'm thinking, and then they start changing the argument. I'm like, no, no, we're shifting. I'm not starting a different argument. Yeah, let's stick to one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna venture off and spend my whole Saturday fucking arguing with you. But you can argue with me on Twitter at at Fwordspod <laughs> because my name is Zach Lyons. You can find all of our stuff BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Become an insider pass. Uh, I guess I'm possibly filling in for the Mike Herndon show on Thursday. I haven't really oh, yeah. dedicated myself to it, but I know that Easton 
recently uh, got married, and I think he's going on his honeymoon. Oh, I guess I'll do it. What am I supposed to do? Should I go back and listen to all of my curtain shows and figure it out? I don't know. Uh, you, you, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll steer you here. Okay. It, it's easy enough. I'll, I'll, listen, I don't even have to be on there. I'll just turn it on for you, and you can just talk. You don't need me. Um <laughs> uh, but that will be the Mike Curtin show on Thursday, November 10th. You got to be a Broadway insider to watch. And you should already be a Broadway insider anyway. Uh, for Zach, for Mike Curtin, I'm Zach Lyons. This has been Football and Other F-Words. And you have just been F. A Broadway Sports Media Production.